This is Bragg, son of Balin, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle Earth. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast focusing on the omnipresent MMORPG Lord of the Rings Online, as well as related topics in books, movies, gaming, and the lore of the great grandmaster himself, J.R.R. Tolkien. This is episode number seven, and I'm your host, Bragg of the Lonely Mountain, Entkin, and Dwarf of Ill Repute. Back after a week's time, all those thinking or hoping that I'd quit after a mere six episodes were incorrect. I have always had plans for at least a lucky seven, and so I have returned to offer my musings to you once again. I'd like to say hello again to all the viewers out there who've reached out to me over the last few weeks. Well, that would be none, since you're not actually viewers. And again, I understand the point is perhaps debatable, viewers versus non-viewers, but you take my meaning. It is amusing that I actually have no idea how many viewers I have for the podcast, I have to say. Well, aside from zero, there are no viewers that I'm aware of, but for those viewers that are out there, uh, I am using a WordPress plugin called Feed Statistics. It has a rolling count uh, of who accesses what on the site, and I'm really not sure how accurate that data is. So, need recommendations from you podcasters out there. What plugins do you use for WordPress to get some accurate statistics on who might be listening or who might be tuning out? Well, we better get on with it. There's so much time and so little to do. Let's light our first beacon. Amandine. First of all, corrections from last week. Uh, Christopher Walken called in to complain about the impression I did of him. Uh, here's his voicemail. Uh, brag, it was uh, profoundly terrible. I don't understand why you think I would talk that way, and uh, I'm deeply offended. Chris, sorry about that. Uh, I do do a terrible Christopher Walken impression. I'll work on it, I promise. Viewer comments. Uh, there were a few po- folks that write, wrote in on the last podcast. Uh, first of all, there was a comment from Zinger. said, uh, nice work as usual. Always enjoy the flow of the show. Um, I was talking about uh, running into the Forsaken as a solo on my captain last week, and uh, Zinger mentioned that he likes to do the scalable instance uh, for, for like in a Forsaken for uh, gear um, that starts dropping at either level or 40 or 45. Uh, he runs it on his higher level minstrel and feeds it down to um, his lower level alts, in this case, uh, once forgotten lore master, he says. Um, Zinger commented on my uh, the poetry I provided for my Captain Brenethor. He said, thumbs on that piece of work, creative work, gold star for you. I will take it. I use I need all the gold stars I can get. Um, 
as long as they're not golden stars in the maladrim, those are you worthless. And uh, he also writes, I look forward to whatever Western Gondor brings. It should be a fun piece of landscape. I agree with you there. I did have uh, a few comments last week about some of the content that was coming up that I was excited about. And then we have um, quest from, uh, a comment in from Tommy York, who uh, voted that Entwood, Entwood bartering, yuck, stinks. And uh, echoed some of the comments I made about um, the availability of recipes there and how many Fangorn leaves it takes to get them. So uh, he noted that uh, the farm recipe for the dye ingredient is not rep bound, so you can pick it up, but executing the recipe is rep bound. Huh? Not sure I get that either. And he also mentioned uh, converting blue flower crops is another 100 leaves to get uh, nothing. There's no use for the processed blue flower crop that we know of at this point. Um. And Tommy Ark said that if you have all the crafters at max level and gilded, he finds the guild recipes to be just about the same or perhaps even superior to some of the border gear uh, from Fangorn and significantly easier to get. So thanks for that tip. Uh, Tommy Ark also has some great uh, memories of the Grand Stairs. She said it was the first instance he ever ran in the game and will always be one of his all-time favorites. Um, I mentioned uh, running that with some... Some low-level folks in the kin that were knocking out some deeds last week. So thanks for writing in, guys. I really do appreciate it. Uh, Comments are really the lifeblood of why I'm interested in the podcast, so I really appreciate it. Let's talk about this week's episode. We're going to discuss a little bit about what I've been doing in-game. We're then going to discuss an august hobbit named Ronald Dwale in our quest highlight. We'll have a brief guest visit from a famous celebrity who will help us with pronunciation. Uh, I'm going to rant a little bit about recent discussions on the future of rating in the game. And lastly, if there's any time remaining, we will preview the upcoming World Cup match between perennial powerhouse Angmar and the up-and-coming scrappy club from the Dunbog. That should be an exciting one. As always, there's much to talk about. So let's light our second beacon. So this week in Lotro, what have I been doing? Uh, first of all, I have uh, two fairly major accomplishments to uh, to promote for myself. <coughs> Excuse me. The first is um, after uh, you know a significant grind, I did manage. This is a long time coming to reach rank seven in the Moors. Uh, from a sergeant at arms to a master guardsman, and for a guard like my guardian, Bragg, master guardsman seems a much more uh, apt moniker to wear, so I like it, master guardsman. Um, it's nice to see the little, uh, uh, the little insignia next to your portrait change after so much time. So, listen, I know tons of people out there, you know, upper ranks, and I know the ranks come easier with the last few updates than they used to in the game. But for me, I don't PvMP that much. Uh, you know, I get out there maybe once a week for a couple hours. Uh, I play on Vilia, which doesn't, uh, I think, have the most active raiding community versus maybe some of the other servers out there. And I am a guard <laughs> with all the DPS that a guard offers. <laughs> uh, so when I'm soloing, it's not likely I'm going to be taking down too many mobs by myself. Um, so... I'm proud of reaching rank 7 in the Moors. You know, when I think back at how long it took me to do, I can't recall exactly. It's probably been at least several months, maybe the better part of a year, actually, since I ranked to 6. 
Uh, I've never been a big fan of the way that uh, the amount of uh, renown required for each rank, successive rank in the game, doubles. I really think it should have been, um, you know, a bit a bit more linear progression. You know, certainly inflating uh, to make each uh, rank more and more essential. But I just think that there's just a a deflation that occurs after you rank and you think back at what you accomplished and you say, okay, I've only got to do a little more than twice that to get to the next rank. And it's just like immediately like, screw that. I'm not playing PVMP right now. (laughs) You know, you can't make yourself start. So um, will I ever rank again? Uh, The question everyone faces whenever they rank. Um, I could see it, especially if there's a new PVMP zone that comes out, like they're talking about with us, Gilead. Um, I'm starting to think my ultimate PVMP goal of all time might be to get to rank 9 to earn at least the first horse that's available. But right now it seems far out of reach, unless my gaming habits change markedly over the next few years, or they change the mechanics again in the moors. Uh, like I said, you know, the Renown comes much easier than it used to, and with uh, you know maybe some Renown accelerators, it's possible but uh, you know, I'm not one of those people that's out there night after night. Um, I do enjoy it when there's a good full raid that's out there, or at least a, a decent group. Um, but you know, it seems like at least on my server, uh, you know, I only come across that every uh, you know a couple times a week, where you can find that at least at the times that I normally play. So that's a bit discouraging, but I still enjoy PvP, especially when we get some, uh, you know, some good uh, you know, open field raids. Not not a GV camp or a or a um, you know a creep camp near the creep uh, area, but uh, you know, moving around the map, good numbers. You know, even if you're outclassed, as long as you can get a few kills in, and uh, you know the other the other group's game, and you got a leader who's having fun. Um, it can be one of the biggest highs in the game. Definitely enjoy it. It's not my central play style, but in any event, rank seven, I'm proud. And, uh, you know, for all you guys out there that have, uh, fought to get up to the upper levels into the, you know, the, the teens even, um, you know, my hat's off to you. It's the biggest, biggest grind in the game by far. Um, also, I'd like to say that if I had to do it all over again, if I was picking one character to really try to get to a decent rank with, Guard would not be my first choice in the Moors. Um, I'd probably go with uh, my Loremaster, Mini, Captain, or Hunter in that order over the Guard. Uh, you know, in a group setting, you know, the biggest value the Guard can add is uh, staying near the healer and putting up a shield wall, and that's what most groups expect from you. Um, you know, you can do some nice knockdowns with the new, uh, red line skills that the guards have, but after that, if you're alone, you know, uh, there are some classes that you can fight to a standstill or, uh, even beat depending on, uh, you know, what their ranks are and so forth. But, uh, in a lot of big battles, if the, the other side has healers, you know, a guard's DPS is not going to make that big of a difference. And I know there's guards out there that do really well in the moors and, you know, maybe it's just me, but, uh. I do think some of the other uh, classes are a bit more dynamic and fun to, to play out there occasionally. So what else have we been doing? Uh, probably over 20-something on Hewarm Pets at this, morning, uh, at this point. I'm starting to think they don't exist. Uh, maybe they got all burned in a, in a forest fire or something like that. However, in my pursuit of the Hewarm Pet, I have finally earned 
kindred with the Ents of Fangorn. So earned the Entkin title, which I'm wearing right now. I kind of like it. And, uh, yeah, I've never really been accused of being a tree hugger before. But now that I'm an Entkin, I feel a bit morbid while I'm raking leaves. Seems like, you know, kind of a graveyard type of thing. And also, should rubbing two sticks together now be considered incestuous? I'm really not sure. Anyway, these comments are a little sappy, so I'm going to move on. Uh, now that I'm an end kindred, I can go back to ignoring recipes that require 400 leaves of Fangorn for marginal improvements over crafted gear. Uh, will I continue to try for a Huorn pet? Maybe, but certainly not going to grind it daily anymore. Perhaps uh, whenever it's convenient, I'll stop in and advance and see if I can, uh, over time, give it a few more shots. So, with uh, Kindred with the Ents of Fangorn, there's only one rep group uh, in the game remaining that I am not Kindred with at this point. And that would be... Let me get a big Ethel Rose sigh. Uh, the Chicken Hockey League, <laughs> for which I am now a rookie. Alright, so... <laughs> You know, I played a couple games of Habnanigans, I earned a couple points, and I looked at what I earned, and I'm still a rookie, maybe with a quarter of a bar filled. And so I've got to imagine that ranking, you know, if it's, I'm not sure if it's all the same levels you would have from a normal uh, reputation grind, but if there's three or four levels to get, and each requires, you know, playing 15 to 20 games of Habnanigans to get, I don't know about this one. But I will say... Uh, you know, when you look down your rep bars and it's the only one that's not filled, <laughs> uh, I got to think at some point I'm going to make an effort for it. It might take some time though, especially the way they only activate the game, um, every couple weeks online on the server. So, uh, could be a long grind remaining for that one. But like I said, hate seeing that one bar not filled. <laughs> Uh, maybe they can remove it from the game or put an option in so that I can uh, hide it on my UI. Anyway, uh, aside from that, the instance bug continues to bite a little bit. Uh, went out and four-manned uh, Dar Nagabud with uh, 495s uh, that were trying to knock out the troll deed that was there. Uh, we did get through the whole instance, including the mistress fight. Uh, we weren't sure going in if we could do that with 495s. Hadn't tried that before. It was actually pretty easy. I don't remember even blowing any cooldowns on it. We didn't even have a healer. I think it was um, uh, my guard, a lore master, uh, I think a champion, and maybe a hunter. And uh, it was no problem, so that was kind of kind of fun to do as a four-man. Uh, and I'm, I'm willing to bet that uh, with the right pairings, you could do it with a two- or three-man. I've soloed most of the instance on my guard uh, grinding deeds, uh, but uh, I think the the fights with the blind one, the mistress, and one of the bosses um, that requires a mechanic that helps if someone else is assisting uh, would be tough to do alone. But I think two or three is definitely possible from what I've seen. I uh, did manage to complete the troll deed, which uh, gave me the title of Reaver of Darnagabud, which leaves me only some deeds in uh, Lomulnar and Naladum. To, uh, to try to get the Savior of Lothlorien deed. So I think that's something I'm going to go for, although um, it's the next meta deed that's on my list. It's definitely reachable, but uh, grinding 240 more Marvel in Lomulnar uh, is also a bit intimidating. I think you only get, I don't know, maybe 20 or 30 per run, and you've got to go through all the puzzles and get to the bottom and 
uh, I guess I could sit there um, on the bottom portion and just let them respawn every once in a while and go over and kill the respawns, but still, that would take a while. So I might smell a deed accelerator or two in the wind for that one. Uh, so what else did I run? Um, well, another comment on Darnabagood. It's fun to do with a bunch of top-level 95s, but the problem with blowing through old content uh, that you're overleveled for is you actually start to forget all the specific mechanics you had to learn to do it on level. So as I go through the instances, one of the things I try to do is uh, take a break from DPS for a second or two, especially on the bosses, just to look at the um, the icons uh, for their corruptions and buffs that are ongoing, uh, look at the verbal and visual cues that they have to try to remind myself uh, how that works in case I want to go back on the on-level tune so that it's not completely foreign. Um, also, the other thing I wanted to note is I did have a quest in my log for darn out pretty darn lonely. Uh, I ran two level 90 skirms on my 88 Hunter, um, Battle in the Tower, and Assault on Dannenglor. Assault on Dannenglor, I understand why not too many people like to run that with a big group. The reflective damage from the, uh, from the light sprites uh, really pack a wallop and can take out quite a few folks if they're not careful. Uh, the trick there is to be patient, uh, take them down one at a time, and make sure that your healer is healing you back up as you're hitting those um, in a measured way uh, so that you don't crit something every now and then to grind some Rivendell rep with my hunter. And I actually did a run of Dragok with my mini, and it had been a while since I'd been in there doing Dragok. Um, I was about halfway through the instance, you know, looking at my healing and going, you know, the lines really aren't jumping the way they normally do. What? Oh, I'm in war speech. Dope. So, just goes to show how much you really need healing in that instance now, at least uh, the first uh, two phases. I uh, didn't even notice that I was in war speech and I wasn't healing anyone. <laughs> I've done that before once or twice on my mini. Now that you uh, need to change your trait tree to change over to your healing line from the red line, you know, I, I do that part, and then I forget that I'm still in more speech, so uh, I'm sure some other people have run into that before. I did win a scale in the Dragok, which is something I've only done, I think, once before ever. Um, I don't know how many times I ran Dragok amongst all my tunes, probably 30 or 40-plus runs, I would guess, but in uh, all that time, I'd only ever won one scale, so I've never had a Dragon Scale cloak for any of my folks. Um, you know... Maybe it's just a cosmetic now, but still would be cool to get at one point to at least say that I finally uh, accumulated that. Uh, I'm sure I could find some Dragox scales out on the AH too if I uh, spent some time looking, and they might not be as pricey as they used to be when they were several hundred gold apiece. Um, Dragox is still time-intensive, but not as much now with 95s um, burning through the first section, so it's... Not quite as depressing or deflating if he bugs out, as that instance has uh, been known to do. Although, I have to say, of all the times I've ever done it, I think I've only had, ever had a bug out maybe once or twice. also did some deeds. A um, couple of my other uh, 95 vaults that are you know at 16s and 17s on Virtues, so just polishing off those last few numbers. I uh, ran the Karn Doom instance to get Ancient Evil. Uh, that deed used to mystify me trying to figure out what the ancient evil were in the instance uh, until I looked it up in the forums that they were actually the Morable, uh, which you can't get to until you run the first section and go through Helchgam and the tower, and then take a left out of the tower to uh, run up the side path there. Uh, also grinded some Westham Net Yurikai for my captain, 
And uh, on my lore master ran the Anuminas final bosses. Um, I only needed the two that were in Hog Valandil to finish that deed. I can't remember the, the virtue. I think it's loyalty. Uh, so Hog Valandil is the one that I think people rarely do on level, do the complexity of the last boss fight. Um, it's the one where uh, you're on the bridge, it's on fire, and fire sprites keep coming at you and blowing you away, and uh, there's a Kurgrim that knocks you off the bridge and can uh, cause you to fail, too. Um, so I, I've done Glingant and Ostalendal much more frequently, but uh, it was kind of cool to do the boss fight at Hog Valandil, especially as a solo. Uh, a little bit challenging as an LM, even way over-leveled to do it uh, solo, but um, knocked that off, and uh, it was fun to get back in that instance. I hadn't seen it in a while. So that's all that I've been doing in-game. Let's move on to our third beacon. Nardal. Now a segment in the podcast with a rather famous guest star, Golden Star of casual Stroll to Mortar fame, is stopped by and is going to do a little something that we like to call Golden Star Pronounces the Names from the Fellowship of the Ring. Ready when you are, Golden Star. Gandhi Gandolfe Gandolfe Excellent. Thank you, Golden Star. This has been the first segment of Golden Star Pronounces the Names of the Fellowship of the Ring. Look forward to her returning in future episodes to uh, uh, help us out with additional pronunciation guidelines. Erelas, the fourth beacon. Okay, so for the Lotro Quest highlight for this week, I'd like to talk a little bit about a sequence of three quests that you can find in the town of Dwailing. North of Brockenborings, um, on the map is considered part of Evendim, uh, but uh, obviously part of the North Farthing, uh, you know, being dwelling, being a hobbit town, which is uh, under assault from brigands from the north. Uh, so, we'll, in the town of Dwelling, there's a you know a few small structures there, and we'll find a small grouping of hobbits, among which is a special hobbit whose name is Ronald Dwell. Uh, Ronald Dwale, um, as many of you may well know, is uh, the representation uh, in-game of J.R.R. Tolkien, who used to uh, refer to himself as a hobbit in all but size, um, in terms of his own mannerisms and how he identified uh, with his own uh, psyche and background in the game. Uh, so, Dwale is, um, according to posts out there, is a gothic translation of his surname, uh, as most of you may know, he's a linguistics professor and was often fond of uh, uh, looking at uh, alternative language structures and understanding how those fit into the language structures that he created for Middle-earth. Um, he will send you on a quest to recover a dog toy uh, that was lost in the Barrendalf, which is the um, which is the desert that's close by that's uh, filled with Breakers and salamanders and such. And uh, the quest to recover the dog toy is a reference to a short story he wrote for one of his children um, after they had lost uh, one of their own dog toys. And so as a you know, a bit of an insight into uh, some of his personal life. If you return that quest, he will send you out uh, to recover um, some pipeweed for him in a quest called Recovering the Lost Leaf. 
And for that, he will reward you for a pipe of your own. Uh, I believe it's called Ronald Dwale's Pipe in-game. And it's a permanent item that you can click on in order to blow a special smoke ring. I believe it's a small bird that flies out uh, through the smoke ring after you're done. And it can be reused over time. Um, so I always try to earn that pipe with my, uh, with my alts uh, because I enjoy having the alternative of using uh, actual pipe weed or always having the pipe available there if I happen to be out on my person. Um, the third quest in the chain is called Missing the Meeting. So in the quest line for Missing the Meeting, Ronald lets you know that he uh, has a meeting at uh, the Bird and Baby Inn in Mickle Delving with some of his contemporaries that he gets together with from time to time. And this is a reference to a group of uh, authors that uh, J.R. Tolkien used to meet up with in a, in a UK pub called The Eagle and Child. So the Bird and Baby Inn is actually the in-game representation of the Eagle and Child. And uh, the, the group of gentlemen you meet in the pub are representations of the original authors he used to get together with called the Inklings, uh, which included C.S. Lewis. Uh, so I think this is a splendid homage within the game. I think the small touches that Turbine does uh, to pay homage to uh, J.R. Tolkien and uh, his works even beyond The Lord of the Rings are part of what makes the game great, and I hope they continue him. Uh, one of the more recent ones I noted in a previous podcast was the appearance of the um, the turtle island of legend called the Festetoklan, which is in the West Mnet as part of the quest line for Monsters of Monsters and Men. So um, if you have not done the quests out of Dwelling, uh, north of Brocking Borings in, in Even Dim, I do encourage you to go and check those out and earn your Ronald Dwelling pipe. Um, there are also plenty of uh, references out in the forums to uh, some of the references from the game from those quests. Uh, people that are uh, much more lore-rich than I am and uh, certainly know more about Tolkien and his legacy um, have uh, commented more intelligently than I have and with a lot more data. So feel free to check those out. Okay, let's move on to our fifth beacon. Minrimon. So, now a word from our advertisers. This episode of Light the Beacons is brought to you by Thornley's Construction Company. Hey, who's been throwing sticky tar all over our worksite? Thornley's Construction Company, serving the Northern Bree Fields endlessly for seven plus years. And also, our new advertiser, Phil Gashin's Diner. Next time you're in the Flaming Deep, stop by Phil Gashin's Diner. Open 20, 24 by 7 for your rating or dining pleasure. This week's special, Mince Meat Pie. Tell the chef I sent you. Phil Gashins, if you have to ask what's in the meat, you should be eating at a fancier place. All right, thanks for the sponsors uh, again for their support of the podcast. With that, let's move on to our sixth beacon, Callanhad. So for Callanhad this week, I'd like to um, offer some thoughts on some of the ongoing discussion of the future of raids and instances in Lotro. Um, as many of you may have seen, there was a post, uh, a fantastic post made uh, on Lotro players by, uh, I believe it's Callie Starshine. Um, if I get the name wrong, I apologize. Uh, but she wrote a very uh, well thought out and researched argument regarding uh, comments that have been made by uh, both by Sapiens as well as others uh, from Turbine um, about the future of raids and instances in Lotro. 
And uh, these comments have been fodder for a lot of forum traffic uh, of late. Um, much of it negative, uh, which is not terribly surprising. Uh, the forums tend to be, you know, as, uh, as mentioned in Turbine, and I do believe them on this, the forums are used by a very small percentage of the, uh, the overall player base. And uh, the people that do use them tend to be the most vocal and I believe the most vocal um, of the player base, um, you know, really are the ones that are invested in, in, in the game the most highly. And that, that category usually includes hardcore raiders, um, you know, people that min-max and really care about the mechanics of the game and where we're going with it. There's a significant portion of the, the forum traffic, in my, in my estimation. Uh, so it's not surprising that they'd be seeing uh, a lot of negative comments on the forums. Uh, I've read that uh, a lot of uh, discussions posted about the future of instances um, and uh, raids in the game are, are shut down pretty quickly if they turn negative. Um, some cases where people thought they were being pretty measured in their responses. Uh, so one thing I wanted to note, and this this was covered pretty well in the thread from Lotro players, is that... Uh, I think the figures that are being bandied about are highly suspect. Um, so I get it that those who raid are more likely to be vocal in forums, uh, more likely to be uh, active in in-game chat, and to be the most active in the community, but you can't tell me that um, the percentage of people that ever play instances or raids is, is under 10% of the people that actively play the game. I just don't buy it. So, you know, I know there's... How are they getting their figures? Are they counting all the alts of players, including ones that aren't, you know, raid-ready and don't run instances? They're just crafting alts, or they're on other servers for RP, or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, are they counting every alt that was ever created, even the ones that haven't been leveled, you know, and have been left to lie fallow? How, how are they getting that information? You know, based on my uh, based on my experience in the game and the kinds of comments I see and the kinds of activity I see around calling instances, you know, you, you're not even seeing the in the in kin calls for raids and instances, which are probably much more active than what you see on GLFF or Unite on Vilia for pugs. Um, you know, it's probably a much higher level of activity. And and based on that, I, j I just can't believe that it's significantly under 10 percent of the people that actively play the game that. Uh, um, that play instances. I, so I, that point was made, and I think the other point that resonated with me is that uh, you know Termine has been very careful to say no new raids are forthcoming in the game, and I think there seems to be a miscommunication. I believe uh, when when players are asking, does that you know no one's been able to get a straight response to say does that mean there are no new instances, no new skirmishes? No new epic battles coming, or is are you saying there's no new raid cluster coming that we can't expect? Uh, you know, a hub that has you know three three mans, two six mans, and and you know or five twelve mans in the game. Um, so the definition of no new raids uh, is is suspect in in my regard, and I think their comments have not quelled the all the um, speculation because they haven't come out and been specific about it. Every time a new player asks about it, they're like, we've covered this, it's old ground. No, you, you, you answered the question about raids, but you didn't specify the other types. Um, at least not that I've seen, uh, not categorically and not in a way that I think is, uh, you know, uh, quiets all the assumptions that are being made. 
And I did hear rumor that there's a new three-man coming potentially with, uh, you know, sometime this year, either in the next update or one after that. So if that's the case, why not just say that? Um, saying no new raid cluster is way different than saying no new instances ever again. Uh, I would believe that a raid cluster is much riskier than creation of a single instance or even several instances, uh, just because the mechanics are usually, you know, the setting has to be that much more dramatic. Uh, you've got to have challenges for that many uh, that many players, which include uh, more complicated mechanics, you know, uh, wilder, you know, tougher and, and uh, crazier bosses, um, you know, perhaps, you know, new tech, uh, you know, to do things that haven't been done in raids before to present new challenges. So I believe a new raid cluster is an order of magnitude more risky and more technical and more effort um, than just a plain old instance. And an instance is probably the same uh, we're doing landscape content. Uh, but, you know, why not say what you mean and clarify things for the players? Um, sure, I know these things are risky. Just look how late they've been with uh, some of the raids they've produced over the last few updates, uh, either late or had bugs or problems with them after they premiered. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I I agree with several posters on multiple players when they say that removing instances takes away a large portion of the motivation for why a lot of people that I know do solo content to begin with. Um, sure, everyone wants to see the new spaces in the game. Everyone likes the epic storyline. That's all fun and good, but uh, you know, I, a large percentage of people I know that play, you know, do all that grind and um, at, in Fangorn or wherever else or at Hypebold or whatever else to get raid ready or to better be able to fulfill their uh, responsibilities uh, in an instance or with a group. So I do believe that a uh, large portion of the motivation for why we do solo content is to be able to be run instances in the first place. And when that challenge is taken away, I'm going to be less and less inclined to run through that content with multiple alts. So I do believe this is just a limited resource issue. You know, they lost, uh, you know, by some counts at least half of their dev staff, uh, even if it was a quarter or a third. Um, you know, if they have to make choices, you know, you can't really, you can have landscape with no instances, but you can't really have instances with no landscape. So I understand why they did what they did for now. Um, you know, and I just, long term, I don't buy that Lotro works economically um, and is sustainable with no more instance content ever. So maybe instances are a loss leader, um, but there's a reason that stores have used that sales technique. Uh, we just need to find a happy medium in the game. You know, I applaud turbine for trying different mechanics and different things to keep things fresh for players. Mounted combat, hype bold um, end game content, uh, epic battles. They have not been afraid to take big swings at the fences. Uh, some of those have been misses. Uh, but some of them have been fun additions to the game. Uh, you know, I think what they've done, uh, I will say for them, that I, th I think what they've done is in each instance they've tried to make decisions about what serves the story of the uh, of the lore best in terms of the type of content that needs to be produced? You go into Rohan, you've got to have mounted combat. It's a big challenge to put together, but it's worth it because the region um, requires it. 
if you're going to Helm's Deep, you've got to figure out a way to uh, to simulate the epic battles. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of problems with the way they were implemented that not everyone's happy with, but you know, I would say that uh, they they served to tell the story well, and I'm not throwing in the towel on them. There are ways they could be improved to be better. Whether they have the resources to improve them or not, you know, is is another story. But again, they chose the end game content. You know, they took uh, they took the risk, uh, took a big swing at the fences, and said, "This is what is required to tell our story," and we we'll hope our players will at least be open to considering and going along for the ride. So again, I just think we need to find a happy medium going forward. Uh, currently in the game, there are I think over 65 instances out there. There's five epic battles now with another on the way. There's almost 20 skirmishes out there in the game. Uh, that's a lot of content. Uh, I know most of it's been done ad nauseum by the player base, but uh, you know if you take that existing content and maybe just look at scaling, you know maybe even one cluster for year. Please start with Moria. Please start with Moria. Sprinkle in a new three or six man, you know, once or twice a year, uh, and find a balance between doing that and trying new things in the game. And uh, I think that would be enough to keep uh, not everyone happy, but a larger portion of the player base than just the people that you feel are happy uh, running around solo in PvE. And one final comment on this. By the way, if Shelob is not a 12-man raid, someone is going to pay. So they better start planning for that now. No new instance content, my foot. All right, that brings us to, once again, Halfurion. The end of the seventh episode of Light the Beacons. So hope you enjoyed this week's uh, content. I would love to hear your plaudits, feedbacks, rants, diatribes, and most of all, your constructive critique. You can contact me at bragsonofbalan at gmail.com. That's brag with two A's. The second A stands for Absalom. You can find me on Facebook at bragsonofbalan, on Twitter at bragsonofbalan, or on my website, lightthebeacons.com, where you can post comments directly on the podcasts. I'd love to hear from you there. And also, I'd kindly request you to take the time to create an iTunes review if you are so inclined. I would very much appreciate it. I think I've only got three reviews out there on the U.S. servers to date. Someone recently reminded me that overseas reviews are on different sites, so if you do leave one um, from another from another part of the world, uh, if you could drop me a note to let me know so I could go out and find it, I'd love, love to read about it, uh, whether it's good, bad, indifferent. Um, it's all good to me. If your comments would pass the Turbine Code of Conduct policy, I may include them in the next podcast or at least respond to them in some way. So, I hope you either laughed at or with me. I hope you might have learned at least a little something you didn't know about before or perhaps looked at the game with a slightly different perspective. Most of all, I hope you enjoy your time this week in Middle-Earth. This is Bragg, son of Balance, signing off. Baruch Kazad! And remember, when the chips are down and your forum thread on the future of raiding is preemptively closed down by Turbine without explanation... Don't despair. Light the beacons.